This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. The text that we have for this morning is a weird one. Did you pick up on that? <laughs> now, it's weird in two parts. Uh, the first thing is that most of us are familiar with at least one part of this story, right? That there's this ambiguous sign of a young woman or a virgin that's going to give birth and that he will be called Emmanuel. Now, we hear that often, especially as we head into this Christmas season. The first part of the story, though, and the ending of the story aren't as familiar to us. So I was wondering if it might be helpful to just hear a little bit of the context where this story comes out of. So uh, let me do this. Uh, Our text for this morning begins with this line, uh, verse 10 of chapter 7 in the book of Isaiah, or Isaiah. Yeah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. So, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. This isn't the first time the Lord has spoken to this young man, Ahaz. Who is Ahaz? Ahaz has the poor, poor reputation of going down in biblical history as the worst king. Yeah, I know. Ahaz fancied himself to be a businessman, and it turned out he wasn't a good leader. That happens. <laughs> Ahaz was the king of a kingdom called Judah. Judah is where Jerusalem was. The kingdom of Judah faced many, many, many wars during the time of Ahaz's reign. Ahaz stressed out because it was a huge war and he didn't know what to do. So he did what he knew how to do. He struck up business deals. He brokered trades with the regions around him. Ahaz essentially sold out. One of the deals that he struck was with a guy named Tilgoth Pileser III. That's right, there are three of them. Yeah. <laughs> at least. He was the king of Assyria, and the deal that Ahaz struck would be that if you could destroy our enemies, we will essentially brand the kingdom of Judah. And so what Ahaz did in exchange for temporary, and the emphasis is on the word temporary, safety, was construct all of these idols of Syrian gods all around the kingdom of Judah. Even, as the book of Isaiah Isaiah tells us, even in the temple in Jerusalem. So the, the place of worship that's reserved for the one God, Yahweh, under Ahaz's great, great rule, now has all of these idols to other gods. Everything has been branded out. Yes, they have safety, but it comes at a cost. 
This is the context in which we find our friend Ahaz, and we find the prophet Isaiah. Now remember, when I say prophet, I'm referring to someone who either functions as a preacher or maybe a poet. It's someone whose job is to help individuals think again, to imagine. And the prophet is always inviting people to join in that imagination, always inviting other people to play a part in what they're imagining. So it's not just the prophet coming in saying, ah, this this is what the future is going to be like. Take it or leave it. The prophet's doing prophetic and poetic work here. So our story begins like this, that the Lord has spoken again to Ahaz. It's not the first time that the Lord was speaking to Ahaz. Ahaz had begun his decline long, long before this. The line that I love from the text this morning from Isaiah is, Is it too little for you to weary mortals that now you must weary God? The paraphrase is essentially this. You're getting bored making your people tired, and now you're making God tired. (laughs) You see, Ahaz is a part of the line of David. It's supposed to be in the cards that he will be this great, great king. But things aren't going according to plan. And where Ahaz should have been called to faithfulness, where Ahaz should be remembering the covenant that God established long, long ago, Ahaz is instead instead taking matters into his own hands, seeking business trades instead of times of prayer. And so the line from Isaiah is, <laughs> your, your, your crazy actions are making your people tired and exhausted. They're weary. They're at war again. And now you're going to start that same battle with God? And so this is where the text begins. It says, uh, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, ask a sign of the Lord your God. And it can be as big of a sign as you need it to be, or as little of a sign as you need it to be. But Ahaz says, oh, that's not in my character. I don't want to put God to the test. Ahaz is given the impression of being pious. He's really not. Yahweh says, I don't play those games. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. So therefore, the Lord will give you a sign and look The young woman is with a child, and she shall bear a son, and she shall name him Emmanuel. On the surface, we can hear that, and as Christians, we can make a confession that that's referring to Jesus, the son of Mary, the Emmanuel. But that's interpreting it in an explicitly Christian context, which is not where this story came from. You have to hear this story and this poetic prophecy and this sign in the context in which it was first delivered. And to do so, you'll see that the sign is not that comforting. Again, Ahaz is a king who is seeing things go very, very wrong. His people are at war. People are starving. 
And the sign that's provided is simply a baby will be born. That is vague. We're not told who the woman is. Yeah? We're not told why it matters that she's young or why or if she's a virgin. And we're not told why the birth of a child relates to the name Emmanuel, God with us. So what do we do with this? I wonder if one of the intentions of such a vague sign is to be precisely that, vague and mysterious and unknown. I confess, all too often I wish that I had signs that were the exact opposite of that. Certain, true, clear-cut. You know, as we head into a season like this in Christmas, it's often a season where so many of us are brimming with this sort of robust faith and confidence. You can hear it in our carols and our storytelling and our decorations. And yet, if you look under the surface of that, maybe not for you, or maybe for you, maybe for a lot of us, there is this doubt. There are these questions. There is this unknown about what the future holds. Do you know what I mean? It's easy to trust in God when everything is clear. But what I want to know is what it looks like to have faith when things are murky, when the future is uncertain. Uh, at the heart of this story is a call for Ahaz to live into the future. That's, that's what is being said that a child is going to be born and that child will continue to live. And at the time that that child is 12 or 15 or 16 or 18, depending on how you want to interpret that verse, being able to make decisions between good and evil, the things you're worried about now will not be. The sign is a call for Ahaz to live into the future. And living into the future is always, always living into the unexpected. This is not just the meaning of this sign. It's the meaning of the season of Advent. And as the Christian church begins its annual year, it begins with Advent. The way that the church has decided to begin its rhythms is by going into the unknown. That is the Advent season that we are in. Uh, last Weekend, I took some time off to prepare for the holidays. Uh, holidays aren't always as restful if you're a pastor. Um, I went and visited some friends uh, who are getting ready to move to another country. And uh, <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> and as I was on my way... Um, I was feeling a significant weight 
about just the nature and the season of life. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they live uh, in a cabin out in the woods in Washington, and I had a long drive weaving through forests to get to their little cabin. And as I walked in, it was like a picturesque story. The fireplace was on. There's, they've got two little kids that were running around playing games. And she's eight months pregnant. They're getting ready to move. It was hard for me to not think of this story from the book of Isaiah. As I listened to them talk about the clear uncertainties that face them, talking about how they don't know if this is the right decision, but it's what's going to happen. Understanding that things are going to be challenging. But as they looked at their kids and talked about the sort of life that they wanted to have for them, and as I looked at these kids, thinking, you know, there's going to be a season where these kids experience unknowns and difficulties, but as an adult, I know that's just a season. They could go on to do some remarkable things. They could be people who broker deals of peace. They could be poets of love. They could be advocates for justice, transformation in the world. And all while right now, it seems uncertain and unclear and unknown. And so I left with this renewed feeling and a renewed call to continue living because of some simple children? Kids can do that. While I was away, you got to hear kids sing songs. And so I think about our friend Ahaz, who has seen some deals go south and is feeling things slip through his hands. And the sign that's offered to him is perhaps exactly what it seems, that a child will still be born. That a child will still be born. Even the sign that a child will be born should remind us that God is not done yet. The sign that a child will still be born should remind us that God is not done yet. It should be a sign that God remains faithful even if or when we do not, like Ahaz. The sign of a child, a sign like this, should remind us that even in times of fear, this is not the end. The worst thing is never the last thing. The worst thing is never the last thing. And maybe even a sign like this could remind us that even in the face of the enemies we have, even in the face of the problems that we have, even in the face of all the injustices that we don't know how to fix and rectify, maybe a sign like this could remind us that love always prevails. 
love always wins. That, that is a prophetic love. That is a prophetic love. That God is faithful. That the worst thing is never the last thing. That this is not the end. That love always wins. As we see this week wrap up, and as we move into the Christmas season, where we will certainly face anxiety and stress and unknowns, where we will certainly see people suffering and we will not know how to meet that need. I want you to remember the simple sign of a child being born as a reminder that God's not done yet and neither should you. We still have work to do. And that, that's, that's good news. That's good news.